Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to Aussies Only, our weekly look at the Australian players on tour. Hello and welcome to Aussies Only, our weekly podcast here at The First Serve where we like to take the time to specifically tune into how our Australian players are tracking on the tour. All thanks to Latua Tennis. Check out their latest Dig 3 collection at latuatennis.com or at Latua Tennis on Instagram. In this week's edition of the show, we chat with Omar Jaseka. After a two-year enforced break, Omar is back and ready to take on the tour and he believes... His best tennis is well and truly ahead of him. It's your host, Jed Zetzer here, alongside former pro Jake Eames. We'll get straight into proceedings. Omar, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us on the show. You've had a really interesting career, a lot of highs and lows, just like everyone on the tour. Recently, you took mm-hmm. a two-year break. Do you mind yep. telling us how it's been reconnecting with the game in the last six or so months? Yeah, of course. I think this break really helped me, to be honest, to realise that I actually want to be a tennis player, you know. Sometimes when you play the sport for, for so long, you know, you have your ups and downs, like you said. And um, I think I learned a lot, to be honest. You know, I learned who I was and um, what I wanted to do with my career. And, you know, I just wanted to see how, how far I can take the sport, actually. So I think this break was good for me, to be honest. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's, it's, it's really tough, I guess, as a tennis player when you are taking a break and figuring out what you want to do. You know, tennis is what you want to do, you know, your whole life as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, when you stop, um, you know, what to do, what you're going to do for work. What did you get up to, I guess, in the time off? Yeah, I think everyone needs a break sometimes, you know, in their life with whatever they're doing just to realise, you know, stop and sometimes things are moving too quick. Sometimes you need a break to realise, you know, where you want to go. But um, in those um, two years, you know, I've, um, I did a bit of, um, I found a few jobs, actually. I wanted to be a normal kid for a bit, you know. Yep. I started doing some bartending, some factory work, you know. I was waking up 6 a.m., going to the factory. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, that's for sure. It wasn't like traveling, you know. But, um, yeah, I learned a lot for sure. I learned that I wanted to be a tennis player, you know. Tennis is an unbelievable sport, an opportunity that I've been given, you know, to travel and see new places and meet new New people is just unbelievable. So um yeah, I mean I started working for a little bit, but um yeah I'm back good. I'm back on the court now, so happy to be back there and um hopefully travelling soon. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, did you find that stability there? Like I know actually a group of our mates where we went to CQ, you were there, you know, doing a tremendous job. By the way, mate, hope we didn't um, cause too much trouble. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but did you did you like that fact of being home, being in the one space? and you know having a stable job to go to every week um yeah you know sometimes when i was traveling you know i didn't really see i wasn't really at home that much so i hardly saw my brother you know my family my friends but um it was it was good you know it was good to stay home for a little bit you know see my family every day spend some time with them because when i was traveling a bit when i was younger didn't spend as much time i was always on the road so i mean it has its pros and cons but you know it was good so, Mark, you were born and raised in Melbourne. Do you mind telling yeah. us a little bit about your background and your family's background and how you actually got into tennis? Yeah, so um, I was born here. Uh, my parents were born in Bosnia, uh, both my parents. I started getting into tennis when I was about five or six years old, I would say. My dad used to play a little bit with his friends 
as a joke and then I sort of used to bring me along all the time and then I sort of just slowly started picking it up from there to be honest and then started getting lessons you know and then I really enjoyed it and met some cool people and then started uh, playing some tournaments and then just really enjoyed it from there and I was actually half decent <laughs> um, <laughs> so, sort of try to use that to my potential and um, yeah it's got gotten me here now. What's your kind of setup like at the moment? I know you said earlier your brother plays. Yep. Um, I think your dad gets out in the court with you guys a bit as well. What's what's your training environment like right now? Yeah, my brother's 16 at the moment, so he's a little bit younger. But um, lucky that he's hitting, actually, because, you know, there's not many players around at the moment. You know, everyone's sort of in isolation still. So it's just training with him at the moment until further notice. You know, I really can't do much at the moment. Yeah, everything's still closed. But, um, yeah, just hitting with him, training with him. Just going back to your junior days, you actually had quite a short stint on the junior ITF circuit. You only played seven Grand Slam events, but you played a lot of Futures circuit um, tournaments during your junior years, and you're actually really competitive, going yeah, deep yeah. into future tournaments and playing against guys like Jordan Thompson, Alex Bolt, Duckworth, mm-hmm. Savile, who were all older than you at the time, and you were really competitive against them. Can you take us into those junior years and just tell us a little bit about why you maybe didn't play as much on the junior circuit and elected yep. to go down that different path? I think that my coach thought I had the level, you know, to be, to play future level when I was back then. So, you know, I sort of I sort of competed better against someone that was a bit older than me because I wanted to beat him. Yeah, so I thought that um, my coach <clears> actually <throat> thought as well that my level was a lot better and I competed better against older people and players that are a bit... Um, ranked above me so yeah just sort of starting to play futures more and more so I could get into that sort of level and game a bit more and I definitely learned a lot for sure you know but also like playing juniors as well you know I like to see where my um where my level was at yeah especially our junior grand slams as well that was always fun yeah I think you're right there Omar. I like sometimes as a coach I guess for development you can throw younger kids into the exactly. pathway exactly. to learn more but you're exactly right in terms of your level. Your actually level was there to beat the future level anyway, and you, you were doing well. Um, so the belief in yourself must have been there as well. You played US Juniors once, 2014, and <laughs> you became the first player in 28 years to complete the double, winning both singles and doubles titles. Huge breakthrough moment for you. Would you like to just tell us a little bit about the event and when you realised maybe you had a chance to win it? Well, that, yeah, that was a crazy week for me, to be honest. That was my first time in New York as well. So um, that was a bit of a double, double win for me. But, um, you know, I started, I was playing, I was playing well going into that tournament. Um, and I heard there was a lot of good young players up and coming there. So I didn't really think too much about it. But um, I don't think Jared Donaldson and all those other boys were playing that year I was there. So, and Francis TFO, you know, and all those Taylor Fritz. But, um, yeah, when I started playing, you know, I was playing well. I was pretty confident in myself. Um, I just took each round step by step, you know. Before I knew it, I was in the final. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was just crazy, you know. I think adrenaline sort of helped me throughout the week as well because <laughs> I couldn't really believe what was going on. But, um, yeah, it was just an unreal experience, to be honest. Probably one of the best moments of my life. Never forget that. It was pretty cool. How were you able to balance playing both singles and doubles and going the distance in both draws that week? Man, I don't even know, to be honest. That was, I think it was, like I said, it was just adrenaline, you know. I was just so happy to be there and just everything was just going, flowing well for me. And it was at the end of the year, you know, um, I was playing well and happy. 
it's tough to tough to explain, but I don't even know how to do it, to be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was definitely was... sore after that week, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I was Big. super sore. Big week, a lot of matches. And it, and it was your last junior tournament, actually, and you went and got a wild card into Kuala Lumpur, ATP 250 a few weeks later, almost beat Rajiv Ram, who was established or had been established in the top 50. Did that win, like you mentioned before, about dropping back and testing yourself, did that just go back win the slam, does that remind yourself, yeah, I'm ready to go onto the ATP tour? Um, yeah, I think so. You know, I think that was the moment where I knew that my level was high enough to, you know, play in the bigger leagues. And I gained a lot of confidence out of that week for sure. That was my last junior tournament as well. So it was good mm. to finish on a good note. Yeah. Um, I think I ended up with being number six junior. So that definitely gave me a lot of confidence. But um, yeah, Malaysia, Malaysia was a good week as well. I was a bit, I was pretty nervous to be honest because it was my first sort of main big event and to get a wild card I was really thankful for that you know I played a good match I gave it all I gave it my all and um yeah I think after that that's where I started to sort of plan my schedule around the bigger tournaments not necessarily bigger tournaments but future challenges you know all right Mark so you, you returned to Australia in some good form you made a futures final and then a challenger quarter you then played in Trelgan um for the second week in a row and came up against a very good player in the first round it was actually the man himself, Jake Eames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you do you remember the match? Do you remember who won and how it played out? I think I, re- I remember a little. I think I, did I win that in three sets? Was it three sets? Nah, mate. You was beat it? me in uh, in straight. I think it was. I was in straight. Yeah, I think it was four and three, maybe or four and two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a clinical dusting, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember it was windy. I'm pretty sure it was windy. It's always windy there, actually. Yeah. Always been there. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been to Taragon a few times. I absolutely love that place. You know, um, I've had some good, some good memories and some bad memories there. But um, hopefully, I can go back sometime soon. Yeah, just just <laughs> on your your game there, that was kind of I trained with you before. I yep. really felt like you had a different level in matches um, to training, mm-hmm. even in practice sets when I played you previously. You know, you've got the lefty advantage, you've got the the slider that just drags you off the court, same as your, your hook forehand with width. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. pin the pin the line well off that four and two, so I really felt like it was dragged around the court a lot. But one of the main things that stood out was your ability to hold the baseline. Most players, you know, even me as a coach now, you're telling players to move their feet and get behind the ball, but you would just hold the ground, take it off your toes, and just mm. rip balls everywhere. Was that something <laughs> practice growing up in terms of just just using your hand eye off off your toes off the baseline. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think I think I was playing I was playing soccer when I was a bit younger as well. So I think that that played a big role as well in it. To be honest, yeah, um, just being good with my feet. So in t- in 2015, you were given a wild card into Australian Open qualifying. Once again, you took your game to another level and ended up actually making the final round of qualifying. Do you mm-hmm. mind just sort of taking us through that week and in particular? your match against John Patrick Smith, a cold night at Melbourne Park. And oh, sort of, wow. <laughs> I, I think that was the night that the Omar Army came out for the first time and cheered you over the line. 12-10 win. How was that? Yeah, that was, um, that was crazy. Thanks to you boys as well, actually, for coming out and supporting <laughs> me through that. Um, yeah, I remember it was, I was down 5-4 in the third set, um, him serving. And uh, I thought it was all over, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I hustled a few points. And I got it back, and then adrenaline kicked in again, and it was just you know it was I was back to where back to fighting, and you know I got the I got over the line in the end, and it was just amazing, you know it was an amazing feeling to get past, especially in your backyard as well, and you had the had the fans on my side, and it was just crazy. It's not common 
uh, and, and not in any disrespect, but someone at that level yeah. coming through to already have, you know, a bit of an army and a fan base behind yeah, them. Yeah. It just shows, <laughs> you know, you're, you're a bit of a character and kind of everyone loves you and gets around you out there, uh, which is good. You went strength to strength after that as well. You went and played some future events in Korea, Canada, and yeah, pushing yeah. deep into challenger door, draws. Um, and you got the call for obviously the wild card into 2016 Australian Open. Can you remember where you were when you got the call and what the reaction was like? I, I can't really remember where I was, to be honest. I can't remember, but I, when I, got, I couldn't believe it, you know. My heart, you know when you just get a phone call and you just don't, you don't want to believe it and it's just amazing. My heart dropped and didn't know who, to, who I wanted to tell first and what I wanted to do. But um, yeah, it was an... It was an extraordinary call, and um, yeah, when I got the call, I just, you know what, the next day I just went out on the court, and I remember training for like five, six hours, because I just wanted to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> I was so pumped as well, I just wanted to train all day, <laughs> didn't want to sleep, to be honest, I wanted to be out there on the court. <laughs> Unreal. So 2016, Australian Open, court seven, you draw Ilya Marchenko in the first round, and you've got one side of the stand literally... <laughs> shaking i remember sitting in the front row we had the omar army and then the fanatics behind us and the roar was so loud when you walked out onto the court we couldn't even hear the umpire um announce your name over the speakers yeah. how is that feel how is that feeling just walking out oh, there? i'm getting goosebumps you're just talking about it to be honest <laughs> do you want to take um, us through that that whole day the build-up the match yeah. the celebration after winning a few days well when the draw actually came out i remember watching the draw i didn't know who i wanted to play to be honest i wasn't really I was nervous either way, and um, I remember when I drew it, um, Ilya, I remember I was, I was on YouTube like the night before, two nights before, and I was just watching his matches, and he beat Ferrer the week before somewhere, I can't remember where, and I was like, oh no, this is going to be a crazy match, because <laughs> I knew he was a good player, but I haven't really, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really hear of him that much, yeah, so I looked him up, and he was beating Ferrer the week before, and I was like, oh no, and I remember that day, I re didn't really sleep that well, to be honest, the night before. I was so nervous. I woke up straight out of bed, just trying to do the right things as, a, as you would. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I had butterflies the whole day. And then uh, finally, when it was time to go, put my earphones in, I remember walking out on the court and it was just, I couldn't feel my legs, to be honest. I had to tell my legs left, right, left, right, because I couldn't, <laughs> didn't even know what I was doing. And I sort of, I had to try to listen to my music, but I couldn't even hear the music because people were so loud and screaming. So um, I, don't know, I knew it was go time from there and I've been training my whole life for this moment. So... You know, yeah, it was it was good to get out there, and um, I couldn't believe the fans. You know, I always I've always heard the fans were good, but when you actually experience it, it's unbelievable. It's a it's a different feeling. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been just surreal, sort of being out there. You um played Joe Wilfred Songer in the second round. You were up a break in the first set. Do you mm -hmm. want to just tell us a little bit about that match and sort of that was, I guess, the first top elite play that you had played? How was that experience and? How are you able to just adapt your level to his level? Yeah, I remember when I was playing him, it was it was such a tough matchup for me because you know he's got a big serve and a big forehand. You know, I couldn't really do much. I felt like it was just a lot, a bit of a better player than me. You know, I still, and I've got a lot of training to do. When I played him, I realized, you know, I just made a lot of unforced errors. You know, even though I was up a break, I still feel like he was sort of on top of me. Um, I gave him my all, you know, and I was really happy to get past my first round. To be honest, so it didn't really matter what happened after that, but um. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot, and it was a it was a great experience for me to play someone at such high level like that, especially on a big court as well, in front of thousands of people. Yeah, it's massive to play such an experienced player. 
You also, in Miami, actually, in, in the Masters, you played doubles with JP and played the Bryan brothers in doubles. And, you know, sometimes, I guess, cockiness of singles players, I think they can just walk in and <laughs> clean up doubles players. How was it playing the Bryan brothers? You know, that's another, another yeah, that was game that was another, in doubles, which is, you know, not you know, mainly playing singles. You know, that was another, another highlight of my career playing up with JP. JP's such a great guy and I always love playing doubles with JP. You know, he's such a character out on court and it's always a laugh with him. He's got unbelievable hands, you know, and it's just it's just so good to, you know, it was always, um, I always used to learn a little bit from him, you know, on the doubles court. And what he knew definitely taught me a lot. You know, that was we played some good plays that week and we had a few good wins under our belt. You know, the atmosphere in Miami is just crazy as well. And to get out and play the Bryan brothers was another experience, you know. Even though we were so close in the first set, you know, just a few little things that I think I sort of went wrong on one volley. I think it was going out and I didn't leave it. Mm. And it's just things changed from there. But, you know, amazing atmosphere, like I said. And yeah, thanks to JP for that week, for carrying a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> 2016 was more of a consolidating year for you. You had some really decent results overseas on the Futures Circuit and ended the year with a semi-final um, at the Canberra Challenger. You then played the wildcard playoff. Your two sets slowed down against Marinko Matosovic in the first round and ended up winning the whole tournament. Do you want to tell us a bit about that week? And did it feel like a weight was sort of lifted off your shoulders when you won that playoff? Yeah, I remember after that first match, you know, I didn't really think I was, you know, I think that was my first ever player. Actually, that was my second player. You know, best of five sets, anything can happen, you know. And when I was two sets to love down, I really thought it was over, to be honest. Mm. And then um, I remember breaking him and getting back, winning that third set. And, you know, things changed from there. Um, and then I went deep into the tournament. It was almost like a second chance, you know, at the tournament. But yeah, when I won the playoff, it was an amazing feeling as well. It was just crazy, to be honest. And how do you train for you know best of fives? Like most of the year at that stage, yep. you're playing best of three, and all of a sudden you're thrown into best of five. Physically, mentally, it's just a massive step up. Um, how, do you, how did you prepare for something like that, or are you just running on adrenaline again? <laughs> no, nah, this one wasn't. I wasn't running a little bit of adrenaline, but um, no, it was more training to be honest. You know, Daniel Bruberis um was helping doing my fitness training at that time, and I remember I was just, I was working hard, and you know, I was playing. I'd play a set and then we'd have the bike out on court and do, I'd do a bike session and play another set and do another bike session yeah. on the court. So, you know, I'd played five sets, you know, just to try and get that um, level up and, you know, try and train my legs because, you know, a lot of people cramp in the best of five sets, you know. So if you can train yourself to, you know, for your mind as well for your, and your legs to grind those five sets, then it makes things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was, it was a lot of training, you know, a lot of hill sprints. So, Mark, 2017, you start the year, you made a challenger final, I believe, in, I think it was Happy Valley. Really good form going into the Australian Open. Drawn mm-hmm. to play Ferrer in the first round. Do you want to tell us a bit about <laughs> that and sort of your reaction when you got, when you got him in the draw? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, a good, that was a good start to the year for me, you know, end of the year winning that playoff. And then challenger um, final, you know, I was playing some good tennis. You know, and when I got Ferrer, when I drew Ferrer, you know, I was I was pretty nervous to be honest. I haven't have haven't had this feeling before. I've seen I used to watch him as a as a kid, you know, I just couldn't believe that I was actually going out there to play someone that I've been watching, you know, my whole life and you know, he's a, such a great player and um being out on their court was just a, it was a different level, you know. Mm. He, the intensity he put out on the court was just something that I, I can't even describe, you know. 
I feel like I didn't really stand a chance, you know, maybe in the first set, a few points. But um, after that, yeah, he was just he just took it to another level, you know. And just made me realize that I have to train ten times more, you know, to feel um to get to his level, you know, to stand a chance. Yeah, playing someone like Ferrer, you know, like you you're one eighty centimeters or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ferrer as well. Is the intensity and focus the main difference between you know someone at two hundred, mm-hmm. yeah, outside the hundred, and someone like him who's just grinding his way into the top five in the world? It was just um, I was just a different level, you know. It's just yeah. I mean, I thought my level was pretty good when I played him, but he just took it to a different level. It was a worth ethic, and you can just see how he works hard and how he's grinding his way into. Into the big scenes, and it was crazy. His level was obviously very high because you obviously won the playoff and then a challenger final, and then straight yep. after the Australian Open, you win in Bernie, which was your first challenger title. You hit a career high rank of 239, but then your form sort of took a little hit after that. You were given some horror draws for pretty much that whole 2017 season. Did your confidence take a hit when your ranking dropped off slightly and then you weren't given a wild card into the following Australian Open? A little bit, you know. It's coming off such a good year, you know. I did, you're right, I did have some tough draws um, near the end of the year. It did, um, confidence did take a little bit of a hit, but I knew um, tennis has got its ups and downs, so I knew there was always going to be an up coming soon. That was all right, you know. I knew that I needed to work harder and better for me to actually deserve that wild card, you know. It's definitely a roller coaster of a journey being a player. It is. And it is tough to ride out those moments when, you know, you're going through dips and you feel like even sometimes you feel like you're hitting the ball well and you just can't get wins on the board. Um, there are a lot of other challenges, um, you know, in the enforced break. There's, it's a difficult stage because you know, you're so young but playing, you know, men's tennis, travelling around by yourself and whatnot. And, you know, your mates back at school you know, a finishing score, starting to go out and, you know, how do you find balancing that life and tennis balance? Has it been something challenging for you? Um, has it been trying to be, you know, a professional player but then also, you know, keep in touch with, you know, friends and family? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely not easy, you know. Um, I was, you know, I was always, I was always in um, playing tennis and, I had my friends from school, you know, but I was always traveling, so I never really saw them in anything. But yeah. as soon as you yeah. get to an age where, you know, about 18, you get your license, you start going out, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just a few things change. And, you know, just, as long as you keep that balance, you know, and you don't go overboard one way or another, you know, it's just, um, yeah, because, you know, you always want to be at home and go out with your friends, but sometimes that's not the right thing to do because you've, you've got training the next day. Yeah, as long as you keep that balance, you know, and know what's right, and your friends help you throughout the way, and know what's right for you, then I guess it's it's fine, completely fine to do a few things here and then outside the tennis court for sure. Omar, some of Australia's very best players, Ash Barty, Alex Bolt, Chris O'Connell, and others have taken breaks from the game and come back actually much better players. Are you confident that mm-hmm. this will be the case for you? And have you been able to rejuvenate yourself in your time off? I definitely think so. To be honest. Um, this yeah, you know it's been a it's been a long two years for me, two and a half now nearly with all this stuff going on. Yeah, I think so. I think I've recharged my batteries. I'm ready to go. Mate, it's great to hear. And let's let's get to it. Where are you going, mate? What are your goals and aspirations as you're getting back on tour? Have you set anything out yet? 
you know, I'm just sort of waiting to see how this all plans out, to be honest. Can't really plan at the moment. I was supposed to be in actually, I was supposed to go to Turkey not long ago, just before this um, corona started. Um, yeah, so that sort of got, got cancelled because um this stuff. But um hopefully I can go back to Turkey and try and get into some tournaments there for sure. Hmm. Omar, um, on the first serve last week, Tennis Australia's Chief Operating Officer Tom Lana revealed plans to unveil a domestic tournament starting later this month which will see some of the state's best players come up against each other in a round-robin format. Have you heard much about that tournament and do you plan on taking part in it? Um, I've, I've heard a little bit about it, actually. I haven't heard some more information um, as of yet, but, um, I mean, that would be pretty cool, you know. It would be good to see everyone back on court again, you know, playing each other. And I think it would be some good tennis, to be honest. Yeah, so hopefully that can um, get going soon. I actually had a chat with a few of the boys... Um, earlier this week and saying we're going to talk to you uh, on on Thursday and they mentioned they said ask him about Kuyong and being part of club tennis and Premier League and 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 the chat yeah. that goes on they reckon you love it oh I do hundred percent I'm all about it for sure <laughs> I'm all about the team environment sorry what was that you, you like the team environment oh uh, yeah I love that you know I love group chats you know group chats is just so good first thing waking up you know I see a bit of banter in those group chats. I absolutely love it, you know, <laughs> for sure. Omar, we've got some fan questions coming through. Yeah. Hey, Omar, what's the best place you've travelled to on the tour? Barcelona was probably my favourite. The culture there was just insane. You know, the food, you know, just everything about Barcelona was amazing, to be honest. I'd have to say Barcelona. Phenomenal, phenomenal city. What about the worst, mate? The last few months, people Ooh. in China, do you want me to lock it in for you or you got something else? Yeah, I think you might have to lock that one in for me. Yeah, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a grind, if I'm honest. Yeah, you know, some of the tournaments that I've played there's just been shocking. China has been I think I don't think anyone said anywhere else to be no, honest. Yeah, it's been a shocking. Just another fan question. Who's the single toughest competitor that you've come across on the tour? I'd probably say Ferrer, to be honest. He's an animal, isn't he? Yeah. Insane. Oh my mate, it's been awesome to chat to you. You've no, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. of uh, a career so far. You've had so many highs, so many lows, tasted the successes and the big stages. So we wish you all the best in the comeback. The craziest thing is, mate, you're still only 23 years of age. It's, it's going to be great to see where you can go in the next five years or so. No, uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys reaching out to me. And- Thanks, Omar, and thank you for tuning into this week's edition of Aussies Only. All thanks to Latua Tennis. You can check them out at latuatennis.com or at Latua Tennis on Instagram. Also, if you've missed any of our previous editions of the show where we caught up with players and coaches, make sure to head over to thefirstserve.com.au. We'll be back to do it all again next week. Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of Aussies Only. You've been listening to Aussies Only. Part of the First Serve, your home of tennis. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.